The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum. Hello, welcome everybody. Welcome the audience. Uh, and can I welcome our listeners on Inspire FM uh, on a special edition of Friday Night Live. Assalamu alaikum, our listeners. Uh, you're listening from Darrow Community Centre. We're having a special. Uh, elections hosting de- uh, debate today. We have all of the uh, main candidates, I guess, from the election uh, election candidates standing for elections uh, in a few weeks' time uh, on uh, on stage here today. Uh, can I also welcome our listeners uh, through our partner radio stations throughout the country? Can I welcome listeners in Peterborough through Salam Radio? Uh, can I welcome Link FM in Sheffield, Unity FM in Birmingham? and Radio Dawn uh, in Nottingham, as well as Ikhlas Radio in Derby. Welcome, everybody. Hopefully, you'll enjoy a, an action-packed discussion today, and I'm sure your answers that, that you have, uh, in, or questions you have in your mind, will be answered today by uh, our guests, potential candidates today. Uh, unfortunately, they're based in Luton, so, you, so if you've got questions which are nationally orientated, if you're listening from, say, like, like Peterborough, etc., you can ring in. Uh, number is a huge one, 01582 inshallah, call us or, or WhatsApp your messages uh, to us and we can ask the questions. Uh, the hustings may be locally orientated, but I'm sure there's going to be national themes. I'm sure there's going to be things that, that you'll be interested in, Peter Bryan, Birmingham, etc. It'll be interesting learning as well. Can I also uh, welcome um, uh, also our, my co-hosts, uh, Ishaq Ghazi. Uh, and Rehana Faisal uh, from Luton Mosques, uh, inshallah. And can I also say a special thanks to Liberty Law Solicitors for sponsoring uh, this event today, inshallah. So, uh, if you want to perhaps uh, give a, a, a short sort of brief in terms of what's expected from the candidates in terms of the format, etc. Okay, well, thanks very much once again to, um, uh, to the candidates and, and the audience for coming and accepting the offer to be here with us. Um, just to briefly um, uh, mention a couple of things. We're all here because we, want, we need some clarity on some of the issues, and it's an opportunity for all the candidates to give that clarity. And so by the end of the evening, people will walk out of here with more clarity, and hopefully that will enable them to choose the right candidate. That's the key objective. And the other bit that's attached to this is really how we manage this evening, and I think it's, it's probably um, right to say right from the start that um, everybody will have an equal share, an equal right to uh, respond to a question, and then people are expected to listen to that with respect and politeness. And I think uh, in terms of health and safety, if there is a fire alarm, uh, there are fire exits that are posted here at the, at the back and on the other side, as well as this uh, exit side here. That's just about health and safety. And the, uh, the, the main rules for tonight will be, um, <clears throat> as we all know, that there are two people that will be elected to represent us in Luton in the Parliament. And those two individuals uh, will need to be um, not only uh, accountable for what they do, but also make sure that they take the views of, of, our, of, of the residents and, and, and they articulate those views. And views also include the needs and uh, various issues that affect us all here. And we expect you to be able to represent us in, in, uh, at the Parliament 
And also, will be um, just for your information, the whole evening is being recorded, and it is being videoed, and it's being broadcast live, both on the radio as well as um, Facebook. Um, so we, we are expecting a bigger audience than what we might see here. Just, I would suggest that you bear that in mind. And any answers that you give, obviously, need to, um, uh, need to care, bear in mind that they will be, they'll be remain your answers uh, after tonight. Um, yes, indeed. The broadcast is on Facebook live as well. And hopefully uh, there will be people, uh, I guess, globally, uh, if not throughout the UK, listening to us on Facebook, as well as our website, uh, www.inspirefm.org. Uh, uh, people can listen to our broadcast there as well, inshallah. So, uh, Sister Johanna, did you want to talk about uh, how we're going to proceed with the questions and, uh, uh, and how the audience participation uh, is going to be engaged? Yeah, assalamu alaikum um, to everyone listening. I'm going to really, really briefly try and explain the format tonight and get going as quickly as possible. We've had lots and lots of questions sent in and we are going to try and get through as many of those as possible and therefore we are going to try and be as efficient as possible uh, whilst making sure that everybody um, and each party and individual gets their fair share um, in terms of making those responses. So, um, following this introduction, each... Um, each candidate will be given um, a minute to introduce themselves um, and once those introductions have been done we will lead into the first questions um, and the, the responses will be timed and limited to two minutes. Um, for, candidate, for, for parties who have two candidates sitting across the table, more than happy for one of you to decide who wants to respond to that question in terms of, of party policy. Um, I hope that's clear for everyone. Hands yes. up if it's not. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's, let, let, let's get going. You'll get points deducted if you don't. So. Let's get going. Okay, okay so do you, do you want to perhaps uh, ask the individuals to introduce themselves? Yeah, sure. So do we want to start at the far end um, and move down? <laughs> yeah, so spend Foley for you to start off first, please, if you wouldn't mind. The mic. Yes, we need a mic over there. Hi. Um, so I'm Councillor Ben Foley. Um, for 20 years, I worked for Demontfort University, um, splitting my working week between commuting up by, by train to, to Leicester and working on what's now a um, Bed Bedfordshire University campus. Um, my two children have, have grown up and um, attended um, state schools within the county and um, have just started at university um, this year. Um, one of the things that people often say about the Green Party is, oh no, you can't win first past the post elections. Well, sorry, we can win first past the post elections. We do win first past the post elections. That's how I got elected as a councillor. Um, and obviously now we're in a situation where the issues of, of climate are much, much further up the agenda than they ever have been. Um, we're in a situation where um, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is telling us that we've got to get things sorted out by 2030, otherwise we've we reached the point... 12 seconds, so... Eight. Carry on, Ben. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Moving along to um, Dr Yassine, I think. Sorry, can you... Hold the mic closely. Salam, salam. Oh. We can hear you now. Yeah, just about. That's better. 
Assalamu alaikum and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. My name is Dr. Muhammad Yasin Rahman. I'm an independent candidate from Luton North. I grew up in Luton, have lived in this town for the last 30 years, have played an active role within the politics and working with the communities. I'm standing as an independent candidate. I believe in the Westminster, you need independent voice, blunt and honest voice, because the political elites, they are too far away from the ordinary people in this country. To change the attitudes of our politicians, the majority of them, they have no clue how the ordinary people in Luton are living. So that's why I'm standing in Luton as an independent to make a change, bring a change, and give thank, better life to everyone. Thank you very much. We're going to have to cut you off. Moving on to, you have to lean forward, whoever that is. Sudhir. Sudhir Sharma. Thank you. Can you? Can you uh, hi. I'm sir, uh, good evening. I'm Sudhir Sharma, the Brexit Party candidate from Luton North. Uh, I came in this country about 40 years ago and worked from shop floor to running my own business now. And I was, it's the first time I'm entering into politics because I'm not a politician by profession. I'm a profession, I'm entering politics, politics because I'm fed up with politicians of current situation. So I want to change, change, the, change, change the parliament for good because that's why I'm standing in this constituency and we need a Brexit party candidate in the parliament to make sure the Brexit is done properly. Thank you. Good evening. I'm Sarah Owen and I'm the Labour candidate for Luton North. Like many people here, I may not have been born here, but have come to Luton for work, for family, for friends, and as your MP, I will live, work, breathe Luton. As well as this commitment, I have real-life experience working in the fire brigade, in hospitals and as a carer, going into people's homes, giving the most personal levels of care. So I know the devastation that Tory cuts have had in Luton. I also have the campaigning and legislative experience to hit the ground running, campaigning against exploitative employers like big businesses like Amazon, Hermes and ASOS, as well as amending legislation. There are 259 foster carers living in Luton that now have a right to bereavement leave that they wouldn't have before because of amendments that I made to legislation. And as the daughter of an immigrant, I know the challenges that we face, but I also know the great contributions that we make. On the doorsteps, people are calling out for investment in our NHS, police, schools and youth services. With all of these Thank issues, you. Luton itself will Thank only you. get the investment with a Labour MP Thank and a Labour government. I'm going to have to Thank cut you, you off. Sorry, Sarah. Can we move on to our next candidate? Rahim. Can I start by uh, expressing my uh, prayers for all those affected by the incidents in London earlier today? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, Luton has a once-in-a-generation opportunity to elect a strong and effective MP who's not afraid to speak their mind on issues which affect the people here. I'm from Mirpurazad, Kashmir. To me, the issue of Kashmir is personal. 
This is why I will get it on the agenda of the next government. I'm, from, I'm a Muslim. I know the hurt that Islamophobia can cause. This is why I raised it this week at great personal risk. I'm from a working class background. I know what it's like to be poor. That's why I will always uh, push for policies that affect the least well off. If you're happy with Labour, you've had Labour for 22 years in this area. Vote for them again. But if you're not, I urge you, this is your chance. Don't waste it. Vote for me for a strong and effective MP who will stand up for you Thank and the issues which affect you. Thank you, Professor. Thank you. Thank you indeed. Rachel. Good evening. Good evening. I'm Rachel Hopkins. I'm the Labour candidate for Luton South. Um, I was born in Luton. I was born in the LND. I went to school in Luton. I went to Denby High, Luton Sixth Form College before university. And I've lived in my town ever since. I've got real life experience as I've worked in a range of roles in the public sector from policy work to project management. And I understand what it's like to have to work hard for a living. I know as a Labour candidate and a socialist, I'll be standing up for working people. I'll be standing up for all our communities in Luton. I've made that a pledge that I will make sure that I am in touch and available with all communities because it's only by knowing what's going on in the grassroots day in day out with you how we can shape our Luton voice in Parliament. Sarah's touched on some of the policy areas that I hope we can explore later but I'm absolutely 110% behind saving our NHS and making sure it's not privatised. Thank you Rachel, thank you indeed, thank you indeed, thank you. So next candidate, we have Jeet Baines. And Jeet Baines is for the Conservative Party. Yes. Uh, good evening, everybody. And can I echo my colleague's uh, words? I think it's important because we're all standing to be MPs. And we say that we have, some, we have in, in our minds the, uh, the terrible incident that happened at London Bridge. So we should just keep that in our thoughts. Um, my name is uh, Jeet Baines, and I'm standing to be... Uh, to serve as your MP in Luton North on behalf of the Conservative Party. Um, I have a wealth of experience both in public life and in business and I want to bring that experience to serve the people of Luton North. For almost a decade I've been a senior councillor in one of the largest boroughs in London and I have a lot of experience in dealing with issues that affect real people and delivering results. From the business world, I've advised governments and global companies on some of the toughest problems that exist. It's extremely important to me that I bring much. all of thank that you, experience thank, thank to help you. you in Luton North. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Moving on to yeah. Gavin Shuka. Well, good evening, everyone. Asalaamu Alaikum. Um, Gavin Shuka, I'm the independent candidate in Luton South. Uh, I've lived here in Luton all my life, and I've represented this constituency of Luton South for the past near decade. And in that time, our politics has changed fundamentally. It's my firm belief that our political parties, our legacy parties, have gone to the extremes. And in this election, the choice in Luton South is between hard left or hard Brexit. I don't think that's good enough, and that's why I'm submitting myself to the electorate this time round. I'm really pleased to have the support of the Liberal Democrats who have stepped down and endorsed in my seat. Because I think our politics is at a really important juncture and moment. To be frank, Brexit is the fundamental thing that will determine the outcomes of people in this constituency because it affects our public finances and what we stand for as a diverse community. For that reason, I urge you not to vote Labour Brexit, Tory Brexit, Brexit Brexit. 
uh, but to vote for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Simon. Good evening. Um, Simon Hall. I'm standing as the Green Party candidate in Luton North. Um, I too am a Lutonian, um, born and bred. I run a small manufacturing business in Luton, employing local people. Um, we're in a dark time in, in the history of the world. Um, we're facing catastrophic climate change. We've got Brexit hanging over our heads. Um, I think people are looking for a change, and that's what the Green Party can bring. We're seen as a real credible alternative to the three main parties. And I hope that um, by answering your questions this evening, that we can give you um, some more insight into our policies and solutions. Thank you. That was really efficient. Thank you very much. Mohammed Ashraf. Assalamu alaikum. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Mohammed Ashraf. Lived in Luton since 1969. Went to a school just up the road in Farley Juniors. And also Beachill High School. Some of you were my colleagues at the schools I can see sitting here. As far as the uh, local government is concerned, I've had a huge and vast experience in doing and representing various people at various levels. I remember going back 95, 96 and Lewis University did a survey and there were some 76 different languages are spoken in Luton. Now, I had a chance to visit some of those organizations in my capacity in the past, and I will continue, if I elected, to represent the town, and I count on your support. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you very much. And Linda, finally. Assalamu alaikum. It's very good to be here this evening. Um, I also was born up the road in the LND and um, have spent most of my life either working or living in Luton or Bedford. Um, as a result, I've worked closely with the Muslim community um, and with all communities that have got young people. My passion is youth work. I've, I've been a youth work most of my career and my passion is seeing a future for our young people. That means we have to tackle issues like climate change. That is why I am so opposed to Brexit because I don't believe that we can tackle these big issues on our own without Europe. So, if you vote for me, as a Liberal Democrat, I have to tell you, you need to look not just at our, our manifesto, you need to look at our values. And for me, the most important thing that we say is that no one should be enslaved by ignorance, poverty, or conformity. And that is what drives me. And if you elect me, I can assure you, I have fought my whole life from when I was five, on behalf of those who have been mistreated, whether that as a, uni as a union rep for both Unite and Unison, as a foster carer, getting um, help for children who have been really traumatized through coming as, uh, as unaccompanied minors to this country, or for those young people from all communities that I've worked with to try and support them to get the best out of their thank life. You thank you very much, Linda. Thank you all very much for that short um, insight into yourselves. Uh, just a reminder that we are being broadcast live across Luton, Peterborough, Sheffield, Birmingham, Nottingham, and Derby.
Yes, through our partner radio stations, Salon Radio in Peterborough, Link FM in Sheffield, Unity FM in Birmingham, Radio Dawn in Nottingham, and Class Radio, as well as Facebook Live. And we're also broadcasting on our website, www.inspirefm.org, inshallah. Tune in, you're listening to Luton, Luton Hustings, Election Hustings 2019. We have all of the major candidates here uh, for you to uh, answer your questions. If you want to ring in, uh, our number is 01582481822. If you want to message us, zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two, inshallah. Okay. Okay, that's great. I think that's a very good start. I think you all deserve a bit of applause there. We're gonna kick ho- off with I'm our first question, yet. and uh, we have uh, Walaid somewhere in the audience. Walaid, are you here? Have you got a mic? Yeah. Okay, Mike. Um, um, Walaid is going to ask a really important question that's very close to all of us here. And hopefully it will resonate with yourselves too. Right, can you... I think, uh, sorry, uh, to start off with, majority of us in Berry Park, in Luton, we're all from uh, Azad Kashmir and Kashmir. Uh, the removing of the Article of 370 by the Indians has uh, caused a lot of problems for the Muslims living there and it's placed most of us, uh, most of them, uh, in diaspora and the human rights violations by the Indian government, right? What role are you guys, if you get uh, elected by us, what roles are you going to play to, uh, you know, help them Kashmiri people there? Okay, thank you very much. Earlier on, there will be two minutes to respond. Um, and as we said, that's a really important question. Many of us here in Luton. Um, have very close links to Kashmir and the revoking of Article 370 caused quite widespread protests across the diaspora and concerns around human rights violations. What role then do our candidates think that Britain has to play in securing peace in the region? Um, Can we ask, um, first of all, Dr Yassin on this one? Leave the mics there. Okay. <laughs> the clock's ticking. You, you'll get your two minutes, inshallah. Don't worry. It's working. Yeah. Kashmir, very important to me. I come from Kashmir. I was born in Kashmir, and this great country gave me an opportunity to be where I am today. Kashmir, you need not a party political voice on Kashmir, you need an independent voice in British Parliament. The problem with politicians is that they have been giving you lip service for almost 70 years. Kashmir is not India or Pakistan. Kashmir is an issue of millions of Kashmiris. And if I get elected in that parliament, I will make sure the British government takes the responsibility of Kashmir and Kashmir does become an independent country. And that's what I'm going to support. And that's for because now from the party politicians telling us Kashmir is a bilateral issue between two countries. It's not lateral, it's about the humanity and as a human beings, Kashmiri people deserve to be free. Okay. Thank you. Can we ask the same question to Gavin, please? 
Sure. So um, earlier this year, obviously, I had the opportunity, as I've done throughout my entire time uh, in Westminster, to raise this directly with the Foreign Secretary. I made the point that was very simple, that this action by India isn't best viewed through the lens of whether or not this issue is about India or Pakistan. It's about the people of Kashmir, and it's about justice. And we've waited for so long to actually see international action that lives up to the responsibility that we have. Think about it. The United Kingdom takes a stance which at best is neutral and at worst favours the larger trade partners in the area, which is India. But we sit on the UN Security Council. We're a member of the European Union still, thankfully. We are signatories to all sorts of agreements and, of course, with a power that had that relationship through the Commonwealth and before that through occupation. You know, we need to be vocal on this issue. I just want to say one other thing, though. This is um, a key cornerstone issue of justice, just like uh, Israel and Palestine and other conflicts around the world. But trust someone that's gone the extra mile. I went to go and visit Kashmir because I wanted to understand for myself the implications of these human rights abuses. A truly beautiful place, not where I'm from, but somewhere I've made uh, a journey to. And to see young people's lives being so disfigured by this conflict is incumbent on all of us that we find a solution and we speak out loudly uh, for the people of Kashmir. Their voices can't be silenced. So as, as, a, car, as a Labour MP, uh, as well as visiting Kashmir, was there anything else that you did while you were in, in the government uh, to, to basically address the issue of Kashmir apart from the visit? Yeah, well, obviously I wasn't in government, sadly. Um, uh, we've had 10 years of austerity. Yeah, uh, but just to say, when I was the Shadow International Development Minister, I pressed to have that as part of my remit. We worked up a plan that would be implemented post-2015 in government that aligned our aid commitments, because we're a huge spender, actually, in India and Pakistan, that would align what we were doing in both India, Pakistan, and as I Kashmir. Uh, and Jammu Kashmir. It was important then that we took action when we could, and that's the kind of thing that you need to do if you've got the specialist knowledge. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Can we ask the same question from, um, we've got Rachel and Sarah, perhaps one of you will be able to answer, whoever prefers to answer that one. Yep, I'm happy to answer that. Thank you. Um, as a human rights campaigner, I would say, firstly, we need to see an end to these abuse. Tarek, sort out the other one. Thanks. Firstly, on the issue of Kashmir, we need to see an end to these human rights abuses and atrocities. Secondly, I'm 100% behind the self-determination for people of Kashmir. And thirdly, on Tuesday, the JKLF issued a letter that gave 100% support for the Labour Party's position, which was passed at our conference just in September. But this isn't just about Kashmir. This is about atrocities against Muslims across the world. This is about Palestine as much as it is about the Uyghur people in China as well. And Britain can't begin to be a strong voice on the international stage with a weak leadership. It started with Theresa May and now Boris Johnson who is seen as a joke on the international scene. These are two leaders that put trade over human rights and that is something that the Labour Party will never do. Okay, thank you for that.
can we? So, what, what's, sorry, what, what, what's your thoughts on Labour Party's uh, statement, which sounded like a retraction of the uh, um, the resolution that was passed at the convention? I was stood on stage when our um, conference motion was passed on Kashmir, and I stand by that conference motion and that conference motion alone. Thank you. So, can we ask the um, same question to perhaps to Linda? you can be within your time limits. Thanks. Well, the first thing we have to acknowledge is that our country has got some responsibility for what's happened in Kashmir. And until we really take that seriously, we are never going to see any resolution in so many places in the world. My um, ex-husband was from Sri Lanka. He continually told me how much we'd mucked up the whole world for our own benefit. So I believe strongly that cross-party, we all have a responsibility to do what we can to resolve this issue. Some of you will know um, Lord Kuban Hussein, and I've worked with him within my party to keep this issue on the agenda, to speak at fringes, um, to get motions carried. But, but that's not enough, because actually what needs to happen is that we need to get the government to make those changes that need to happen in policy in order to resolve the issue. Human rights abuses are horrendous for those people who are suffering. It's not about those at the top, it's about those suffering at the bottom, and they are the ones that so often get forgotten. I've been a lifelong campaigner on, on issues around human rights, in, in particular, and it's already been mentioned about um, Israel-Palestine, it's a similar thing. We don't want to upset the Israelis, so we won't actually do what is right. And for anyone that's actually been out to the West Bank or Gaza, or even to the Palestinian citizens of Israel, you will see what prejudice and inequality looks like. So, yes, of course, if I was elected, it would be a priority, especially representing Luton, to make sure that there was justice for Kashmir. Okay, that's your clear position. Can we ask uh, one of the Conservative members to answer this particular question? Within the time limits. So this is Pervez Akhtar, he's a Conservative candidate, Luton South. Yeah, just a reminder for Rachel. Uh, there was a Labour government for 13 years, uh, not so long ago, and I didn't see much happening during that uh, period. That, that um, was, that, just just that to was say, Sarah. I've spent... That was Sarah. That was Sarah who answered the question before. Sorry? Yeah, Rachel's on your other side. Sarah. Sarah. Sorry. Apologies. Um, I spent two and a half years in India. I was heading the operations for Jagiellandra over there. I've got nothing against India or the Indian people. My issue is with the current BJP government. If international law means anything, and this is the argument I'll be having within the Conservative Party, if international law means anything, then the 11 United Nations resolutions should be upheld. Point number one. Point number two, we trade with India our trade with India, we, we buy 10 billion pounds worth of, uh, do trade with India 10 billion pounds worth. The reciprocal, the opposite is 5 billion. So we have an advantage in terms of trade. And if we are right to call out human rights abuses and the, uh, in Hong Kong, where we do double that trade with China, then why not with India? That's the second argument. The third argument that I will be having within the Conservative Party that this is not a bilateral issue. This is an issue of, for the people of Kashmir. It's their right of self-determination 
And with those three points, I will continue to press my case within the party. I understand they're a long way away from where they should be, but if you've seen, any, you know, if you've seen me earlier and if you've seen anything that I, um, I stand for in terms of Kashmir, you'll know that I'll be very robust with them on this particular issue. But will you have enough influence to persuade your leadership? Um, I, I think um, my intervention earlier this week should be testimony to the fact that uh, done in a right way, they will listen. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm just going to, sorry, come back on that. I, I, I really admire actually what you've done this week, but I'm not sure there's been an adequate response to it. But on the issue of Kashmir, how do you feel about the Conservative government? I mean, it's all very well to, to pull Sarah up from what happened in a Labour government 10 years ago, yeah. but wh how do you feel about the Conservatives' response to the revoking of Article 370? Okay, let, let me just make this absolutely clear. Within both parties, if the Kashmiri people up and down this country in constituencies like this stand on a united front, both parties will take notice and listen. That goes as much for Labour Party as it does for Conservative Party. And that's what we've got to do. This is independent of political parties. I'm speaking as a personal, you know, as a Kashmiri from a personal level. We've got to be united. We've got to present a united front and okay. they will listen on the okay, issue. Okay, I think that's your time up <laughs> signal for that one. Can we ask the uh, same question from Sadir, please? Pass the mic on. Sadir is from Brexit, part, Brexit Party. Yes, uh, I understand your concerns. Uh, but as a Brexit Party, we have a policy that we have a bigger problem in this country to get the Brexit done first. So we have to get that done first, and then we start looking into other things to put, the, put our house in order first. So that's our policy of Brexit party, to not to sort of uh, talk about other uh, issues which is out of this country because we okay. are people of this country and we are, our children are from this country. Sadeed, I think that is the preference here. Thank you. Sadeed, just to let yep. you know, I'm not no, sure if you're sure, but we actually have got a number of questions tonight. Only one if that will be about Brexit. Yeah. Um, so, if it's, so, so would you like to sit out of the rest of the questions? No, no, I will answer the rest of the questions. Is the answer as, Brexit is more important to all the questions? Well, as, as a Brexit party, we haven't got any policies on these issues. That's why obviously I'm, I'm talking on behalf of Brexit party. So the Brexit party so, so, has, so the, has one policy. So this, does the so, Brexit party have any other policies apart from Brexit? Brexit? Brexit party has a contract with the people and he says everything about what contract is with the people is it is. So we have issues on every single thing which is matter to the public of this country. Sorry? I think we'll have an opportunity I, to talk about Brexit okay, uh, I, I, in another question. I, I, I think we'll we should on. move on, but I think it, it was important to note that the gentleman who asked the question is, is yes. from this country and as are as is everybody else in this room. So as, I, know, I, no, I understand where the question is coming from because as, as a party, Brexit party, hasn't made any statement about this. We so obviously this. I can't talk about the issues which our party hasn't done any statement. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think we've got um, uh, Ben to um, answer that as uh... Well, when it comes to um, Kashmir, fundamental starting point must be that 
we recognise our debt. The wealth of this country, the Green Party recognises, has, to a very large extent, come from the hard work of people around the globe during colonial times. You know, we, we exploited very large parts of the world, and so we should make sure that our dealings in future recognise with humility what we have done to people in the past, and that includes our responsibility for the terrible situation that Kashmir is in at the moment. Um, as others have said, the right to self-determination is an absolutely crucial element here. The Green Party consistently stands for people's right to self-determination. Um, unlike the, the other parties represented along here, we recognise also the right to self-determination within the United Kingdom, which is why, for example, the Scottish Green Party is entirely independent from the Green Party of England and Wales. You know, we are completely consistent. Self-determination should be applied in the easy cases and in the difficult cases. Okay. Um, and like others, I am very deeply concerned about the, the racism that appears to have been um, on the part of the Indian government um, and we need to be really careful in, in our dealings to call out racism when we see it. Thank you. Um, Simon, do you have a quick word? Or are you okay with that? Simon? Any? No? Yes, it's working. So I think it's I think it's important that that, um, that Britain does use its influence to promote peace mm. in Kashmir. Um, but the Green Party policy is that we try and look for um, com conflict resolution as opposed to peace enforcement. Um, I believe that aggressive wars are often counterproductive. Uh, we've seen it so many times in in history. Um, it just often causes ongoing tensions and, and hatred and can lead to terrorism. Um, I think if there does need to be an armed intervention, that should be at a, a last resort. Um, and it must be legitimate with in international law and junction with the United Nations. But yes, I do think we have, we have a responsibility to act, but I think that an armed, armed um, intervention should be the, the last resort. Okay. Um, I know that the, the two Green parties have had to say on this one, but we have to... Uh, follow one of the rules is that one of you answers and it, so we're all trying to maintain that. I think you were alluding to that. I think we're going to move on to our, our next question. No, no, no. We have, Sorry. Got, uh, uh, Ash Ashraf, independent. Mohammed Ashraf, independent. Independent. Thank you. Can I first uh, crack the light? It's not Muslims in Kashmir. It's Kashmiris we're talking about across the board. Uh, I would still stick to Kashmiris that are suffering. For a start off, if you look at the recent human violations that has occurred, curfew over 128, or nearly 128 days, no main party has condemned this action whatsoever. Those people have suffered, and I would say here we all rightly condemn the actions that has been gone on so far and suffering that has caused to those Kashmiris in Kashmir. Now, historically, if you look at it, when did this problem arise? It was risen by the time of partition and British government at the time 
did not resolve this particular issue and said to the people of Kashmir that we will have a right of self-determination and number of resolutions that sitting in the United Nations, nothing has come about to resolve of that particular issue. What you need, if you think that the main parties will sit there and resolve this, you need somebody to knock on their doors, constantly reminding the suffering that has been caused and or imposed in certain cases. And that's where your independent part, uh, member of parliament can do. And you, your voice doesn't matter, and that voice should be yeah, heard at all levels of the government. Thank you. Okay, thank, I thank think you very that much. covers all candidates, and they all had a response on this first question. Sure. And we're going to move on to the next question. Yeah, before you do that, just a reminder uh, to our listeners on Inspire FM 105.1 FM, you're listening to Friday Night Live Special. This is elections hustings uh, from candidates from Luton South and Luton North. If you're listening from outside of Luton, uh, I'm sure some of the items that are discussed today will be of interest to you as well. If you want to ring in, our number is 01582481822 or any messages 0779481822. Thank you very much. Um, we have lots of questions already. I know we've got lots of questions coming through to us and lots of nods of heads. We will try and get through as many as possible. Um, but next, um, Atik Malik. Hi, everyone. Um, In a so tuxedo. I have a question, hopefully for each and every one of you, and I'm sure many of you probably predict what the question is going to be because I'm always uh, going on about it. Um, yeah, prevent. I want each and every one of you, and if preferably if possible starting with Rachel um, to explain what is your understanding of the prevent program what is your understanding of how it works and in particular do you believe it should be scrapped and if we can start with Rachel please thanks very much um, Atik um, the question of well, prevent is one that comes up locally very often there have been widespread concerns um, from a number of human rights organizations about its um, implementation. Um, Luton is a prevent town, so we've, we've borne the brunt of a, a lot of that um, here. Let's, he let's hear from you, Rachel. I know. Thanks. Um, yes, we should get rid of prevent because it is not, um, it's, it, it's a toxic policy that is, has not achieved the protection of our uh, people in our country. That's the short answer. Um, the Labour Party manifesto sets out that it wants to conduct a review in light of that um, and we would seek to look to safeguard people from the threat of extremism. Um, I was very pleased to see a specific response around tackling the rise of the far-right extremism and that we need an independent um, inquiry into that primarily and as a local councillor I've often raised that because for me the biggest threat is the rise of the far-right. And we know that it is pernicious, it has led to the rise of hate, increased hate crime, the use of racist language, which is endorsed by our own Prime Minister, and that absolutely needs to be tackled. So it's a short and sweet response to that. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Rachel, um, you, you talked there uh, about your personal view with regards to scrapping it, but but the Labour Party policy is, is slightly different, isn't it? 
There's a, there's a nuance in there, and there'll be plenty of us in the Labour Party who will be pushing for, you know, a firmer line on it, um, particularly around, like we say, I am pleased to see in the Labour manifesto specific um, issues around tackling far-right racism, including things like um, attacks on, you know, religious uh, buildings or mosques, etc., becoming an aggravated crime, which would, you know, have greater penalties, etc., etc. But it's got to be very, very clear for towns like Luton, it has not worked and it should be scrapped. And I will keep raising that point. Okay, thank you. And we'll assume that Sarah would also support that. Okay. No, no. Can we move on to one of the well, Conservative it's, Party candidates? Well, we'll it's, it's, Sarah, if you want to answer, you can. If you want to answer. That's okay. Um, thank you. I'll be short and sweet as well. Um, I 100% endorse what Rachel has just said. Prevent has become a toxic tool now. It almost is counterproductive to what it was supposed to do in the very first place. I 100% agree that it should be scrapped. Um, I agree that there should be a review, but also that we should be looking at what the actual threat is here and what we are seeing is the threat of far-right extremism. Yeah. Just to clarify, just to clarify, if it's a national issue and the candidates have got similar views uh, from the parties on the issue, uh, you have the option basically to, for one of you to respond, but if both of you want to respond, then you're quite welcome to. No problem. Is that in response to the note? Yes. Yeah. Indeed, okay, yeah. nice. <laughs> okay, thank, thank you. you. Can, can we have a response from the Conservatives, who, whoever would like to take that? Um, you know, I was travelling uh, through London Heathrow Airport with my, with my brother, dressed in Salvar Kumis, and for no apparent reason at all, both, both of us got pulled over to the side. Um, when we challenged the person who pulled us over, um, he got uh, very aggressive and called the security services. It's only when they realized um, the, um, uh, the fact that you know, I was being very vocal with them and, and threatened to call one of the ministers who, who I knew that they let us go and we just about caught the flight. So I know it's slightly different from prevent, but terrorism uh, legislation like that has affected everybody and prevent particularly communities like this. Now, if you're going to have a blanket approach, you're not going to be successful. They tried it in the 70s with the Irish community, and they've done, they've done it again with the Muslim community now. Um, the very community you're hoping to bring inside, you can't isolate. You can't expect children to spy on their parents, for doctors to spy on their patients, and still ex expect an outcome uh, which is to root out extremism. So the strategy is flawed. Everybody agrees with it. Um, we've got to change it. And the more vocal we are across the political spectrum, the more chance we've got of getting something uh, successful uh, instead of the strategy of prevent. But, but is that, that, I mean, I, I, you, you say everybody agrees with it, but the truth is that your party doesn't. The, the, the prevent duty that you talked about in terms of school teachers and nurses and doctors effectively spying on their, their patients and their pupils, that's a Tory party policy, right? The prevent duty was brought in by the Conservative Party. So, I mean, maybe you on that in this row will soon find out agree, but your party doesn't. Your party thinks prevent is a success. Get me elected and then ask me that question again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. 
Have you got anything else to add? Yeah, to I'll just that? add a little bit more here. Briefly. Um, so, um, the reason for prevent and any similar measures like that is obviously they want to prevent harmful extremism. But when it gets to the point of uh, people are feeling victimized or their human rights are being abused, then obviously something is wrong with the implementation of it. So any point at which the implementation of a policy or a procedure is obviously going wrong, I have absolutely no hesitation in stepping in and making the case to government that we need to look at this again, that is causing the opposite outcome to the one that's expected. And I think if it's breeding resentment, it's going to actually cause the opposite effect. You want people to feel comfortable and that it's a fair process going on. Because I've never spoken to anyone from any community who wants to have the label of extremism on them, any community. So uh, we need to find the right way to make this work. I think the thinking behind it is a good one, which is to prevent harmful extremism. But the method in which it's being done is obviously flawed, and we need to look at it again. Right, that was a response from Jeet Baines from Conservative Party. Thank you. Can we ask the um, uh, same question from Dr. Yassin about prevents? Since Dr. Yassin is an independent candidate standing for Luton North. Yes, sir. Hello? Yeah. yeah. Prevent. To myself, prevent, as name suggests, is a disgusting name. Is designed to prevent Muslims from practicing their faith. Why couldn't our politician in the Westminster come up with a better name? Engage, engage with our communities. Don't prevent them. The way the prevent is currently used in our schools, in hospitals, and everywhere else is disgusting. If I am elected as a member of parliament, I can assure you. And then member, I will be standing in that house and make these parties accountable and ensure that names such as prevent they are scrapped. And I can assure you that I will make them scrap and use different names and different ways to engage with our communities. Because right now, if you look at the stereotypical image of the Muslim community, which has been built up by using these draconian laws which were used in Russia in those days when the Muslims were forbidden to practice their religion. And I think that same practice has been initiated in this country. And as a Muslim, I am going to stand up. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to be blunt and honest because practicing your faith is my basic right. So yeah, Dr. Yassin, being... Being independent, would you, be a, would you not be a sole voice in the parliament? Well, I will lend my support to the government of the time and make sure that they are made accountable. Because if you look at the European, most European governments right now, they are coalition governments. And I'm expecting in this country there's going to be another coalition government. And the government of the time will need support from members of parliament. My vote is going to have the same effect as Sarah 
Owen's vote or Rachel Hopkins vote because she, they have one vote and I will have one vote in that parliament. You must understand who represents you, who is local to you, who cares more about your issues and who has feelings and, uh, about I, the local issues we are facing you. on a daily basis. Can I um, just interrogate you a little bit on, on some of those things that you, you've said and I'm sure you are anticipating this response. Um, we, I'm glad to hear you speak in support of, support of Muslims now, but doesn't your own personal record contradict what you're saying now? The last election, the last election you stood as a councillor for the Conservatives and the last general election you stood for as a member of parliament for well, UKIP I, alongside, uh, alongside some of the most nasty, well, racist, Islamophobic narratives that I've heard in a long well, time. Well, I, I can give you the response. When I was standing with UKIP, in 2015, I had same message for them, the, for racist and Islamophobic within the UKIP. Those were there to turn the UKIP into an anti-Muslim party from an anti-Brexit, uh, anti-European Union party. So there my name was still Mohammed Yasin Rahman. I still spoke on the issues I'm talking right now as a Muslim. And there are so many, if you see on the records, the way when UKIP wanted to ban the niqab in its manifesto in 2015, I was the only voice within the party to ensure that this doesn't affect the Muslim community. That, Sometimes that's you... Great. Just that's one great, last, but you last still point. stood on a platform with them. Last, last, last point I want to make. Just last point, please. UKIP had an agenda. UKIP was for to be an anti-European Union party, not anti-Muslim party. And I personally... Personally. So I, I think I'm going to have to stop you. I think we've just run out of, okay. of, gone over Thank your time. You. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have clarified. Okay. Can we have the um, um, next... Um, um, Linda, can you uh, comment on this? So, so Linda and Jack from Dem uh, Liberal Democrats. Thank you. Um, I have had some dealing with the Prevent team in Luton, but obviously I can't go into details about that. My concern, as others have said, is that when you use the word prevent, it is automatically a negative. It's not positive. As I said, I've spent my life working with young people. And actually, what I saw going from teaching, and I often joke that I left teaching because I was interested in learning, going from teaching into youth work, what often happens with young people is that people see them as a problem. And they don't actually give them any credit or any support in order to develop as human beings that can contribute to society. So, from my perspective, Prevent hasn't worked. Um, it's completely asked backwards, if you excuse my French. Um, what we need to be doing is looking at how do we engage with those young people who may be at risk of getting drawn into things. Now, we've seen massive cuts in the youth services over the last 10 years. And at least now, and I say this as somebody who has campaigned for investment in youth services in my party for many, many years, we are seeing some in, uh, investment, both from us and I know the Labour Party have also said they will reinvest. But what's important is relationships, and that's what seems to have been forgotten. And that's why, for me, one of the problems in Parliament is that you have people making decisions. The, the, the Parliament does not reflect our society in any shape or form. So you get people making decisions who have no idea and they look from the outside to try and solve a problem that they've got no experience of and they've made prejudgments about how to do it. 
So from my perspective, yes, get rid of it, but also then look at what are we doing to engage with our young people, to give them positive things to do, and to support them to get a career or get on the housing ladder, whatever it is that is their aspiration. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, indeed. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Okay, can we um, have some comments from uh, Gavin on, on Prevent? Um, the uh, Council of Mosques issued a letter uh, in, in opposition to prevent legislation um, about two years ago. You are one of those signatories and um, perhaps you can add a bit more to that. Yeah, sure. I've been proud to stand alongside LCM on this issue and I'd like to think I'd stand alongside uh, everyone that's affected by prevent. It needs to be scrapped. Simple as that. I want to say a couple of other things though. Um, I don't know how you felt today when you heard the news about what had happened in London Bridge, but it made me think how we as a community sigh twice when these things happen. Mm, indeed, yeah. First of all, our heart breaks for the people affected. Yeah. And then we think about the implications for us as a community. Because what happens is people so easily tar our town with this kind of rhetoric. I am, uh, haven't really talked about this publicly before, but I was present the day that PC Keith Palmer was stabbed to death in Parliament. It happened about 20 yards ahead of me. And uh, I can still remember it really clearly. A man that had been radicalised, uh, taking out his aggression on someone that was there to protect and save my life. And I think about my friend Joe Cox, who was assassinated on the streets of the UK. Uh, in the aftermath of the kind of rhetoric that was released by the referendum by someone that had been radicalised on the right. So let's be clear, there is an issue here, but the issue is one of safeguarding, and there are responsibilities on all of us in regard to safeguarding. You don't need an oven-ready policy to stick on the top of it to demonstrate to people in other constituencies that don't understand what it's like to be from Luton and to experience that level of marginalisation. What you need is the law to work as it currently does, in regard of safeguarding. I try uh, to make the point, not just uh, here in the Luton, but also in the Parliament, talking to other members of Parliament, that you can't understand the kind of pain and division that this causes. And the fact is, it drives the kind of radicalization we seek to try and prevent. And uh, that's why I scrap it. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. I think we've got um, um, one of the Greens to answer this one. Uh, who, who wants to answer that one? Simon? So it's Simon Hall from the Green Party. Um, just a, a short answer to your, to your question, Atik. Um, I don't think prevent is effective. It's counterproductive. Um, instead, of, instead of engaging with police, it's turning people away. So we need to find an alternative solution. Um, the Green Party would replace prevent with community policing. Um, they would try and build a closer relationship between the community and the police. And that would enable information to be shared with the police and to make the streets of Luton hopefully a safer place. Thank you. Um, Thank you. If, if I recall back, Prevent was started back in 2008, or back end of 2008. I remember there was money available in the Home Office, but yet the local authorities had to apply for it. And it was a different concept when it first started, and I said, then, and I say again, it won't work because the way they perceived this pot of money to be spent, and it's, it's proven today that it is 
something that has never, should have never started and we should scrap it immediately. Maybe we need to look at the safeguarding issues and sort of resource that, but there has to be a pilot scheme if we're going to do something for the betterment of the community. Scrap, I said that, scrap then, scrap it now. Thank you. Okay, that leaves us uh, with uh, one final contribution from uh, uh, Brexit. Uh, Sadir, do you have anything that you want to say or do you have not a policy on this? No, I, I will say something. We have policy on everything. We don't have a, we have a contract. I've been saying that. Uh, I'll let you make it clear that this is obviously uh, my own opinion that uh, all the communities should work together. And obviously, as a businessman, I have worked with every different color, religion, and different type of peoples. And what it, it is, this, this prevention. I think everybody in this room wants to be feel safe when they go out, go out of this place and go home. And sometimes, some policies doesn't work. It takes time, because some, some of the community get targeted because of the religion, color, or whatever it is. But I think that we have to work on it and we make sure that people of this country feel safe when they go out of their house and come back safely. Thank you. Okay. It, it appears from, from all of your responses that um, in terms of what have you done about prevent, um, it's not very clear what has been done. Um, the, um, the Muslim community has been demonized through this pro uh, program. We've made all the noises everywhere where we can and very little has been actually done about it. I wonder if uh, the questioner who asked the question, whether you had anything else uh, that you wanted to add a final sentence on this. I take the question. Well, the only final say that I'd say then, since you all seem to be in sync with each other, well, most of you, apart from the Brexit Party representative, um, I would ask, would all of you, we've already got Gavin who signed the statement for LCM and SCM, are any of you willing to sign that statement and openly have it published that you stand against prevent and go beyond lip service? Thank you, Atik. Okay, thank you for that, Atik, and we're going to move on to our, our next question, uh, which is coming from uh, Manjana Begum. Uh, do we have Manjana Begum? And a mic, please, for Manjana. Hi, my name is Majana. I'm a nurse in the NHS, and my question for you is, what assurance can you give us that the NHS will not be privatised? Because working in the NHS, we, I see a lot of budget cuts and a lot of struggles that the staff face, um, and I just want to know what you guys will do. Yeah, well, I mean, last week they cut the tea for the staff, and I know it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal when you've been working 12 hours on your feet. <laughs> thank, thank you, Majana important question. So is that, is that tea? No, as in like tea and coffee, like they cut it and then we called Asda for their charitable funds well, they said no. I think that calls for a revolution, I think. I know, it was an uproar. <laughs> um, the NHS, as we know, is an important national institution and on Wednesday, um, some papers been trade discussions between the UK and the US around the NHS. Um, who would like to go first on that? Ben for the Green Party. Ben Foley, Green Party, Luton South. Uh, not only will we 
make sure that the NHS isn't um, privatised. Um, of course, as part of that, we will say we need to remain within the European Union so we're not forced into, into trade deals. Um, but even if we were outside of the European Union, there is no way the Green Party would be willing to get anywhere near a trade deal that, that's weakened the position of the NHS as being publicly funded. But beyond that, Green Party MP Caroline Lucas put forward a restoration of the NHS bill to Parliament where she was, was very clear that the Health and Social Care Act that the Conservatives passed should be repealed because it took away the duty on the Secretary of State for Health for making sure that adequate provision for health was made. We need to get back to the situation where the NHS actually is the responsibility for the Secretary of State for Health and where our health and well-being under it is, is properly funded, which is why the NHS also under the Green Party would be given an additional £6 billion per year funding and also we would be investing a billion a year on top of that in nursing higher education and um, reinstating nursing bursaries. Okay, thank you for that, Ben. So the question is, will, um, uh, will you ensure that any part of NHS is not privatised or sold? That's the question. And I think if uh, one of the Labour candidates would like to answer, um, Sarah or Rachel. Thanks. Um, the Labour Party established the NHS. We will not let it be sold. It is not for sale. Um, We've talked about people who take action. I have protested against potential privatisation of the NHS, both in the streets of London and uh, outside the NHS. And politically, in Luton, with the leader of the council, Hazel, we have politically withdrawn from the STP or the ICS, Integrated Care SIP, or whatever they've decided to call it this week, because we can see that that is going to be a model for privatisation by the back door. So if you want action, we're already taking it and standing up. Um, one of the things the Labour Party is already um, campaigning against is the way that the NHS is just being broken up into little pieces, into subsidiaries, that, to make it easier to sell off and to privatise. Anyone who puts profit in terms of people's health or actually their ill health should be ashamed of themselves. So all I can say is, and it's one of my personal pledges in this election, is I will absolutely stand up against NHS privatisation. I said it earlier, I'll say it now, I will say it again when I'm in Parliament too. Okay. Uh, do you want to have anything else to add to that quickly? No one should ever take away caffeine from any healthcare worker ever. Um, as a former um, care worker who worked for a privatised company who actually delivered NHS care as well as care for private patients, I have first-hand experience of how these care companies put private patients above NHS patients. I firmly endorse everything that Rachel said and I just want to say that the Labour Party and myself will never put profit above people because the NHS and healthcare should be based on need and not the ability to pay. Thank you. Um, there is um, Conservatives, uh, one of you, uh, perhaps Jude, yeah, can you Jude, answer? Jude Baines, hi. Um, so in answer to your first question about... Uh, uh, 
So I think this is Jeet Baines from the Conservative Party. Um, hopefully you'll get the mic sorted out for you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the NHS will never be privatised. Full stop. End of story. Okay. I know you find I, I'm sorry you find that funny, but it's a statement of fact. And here's why it's a statement of fact. Um, the Prime Minister has said on numerous occasions it is completely out of the question that the NHS will be privatised. Right? Please, please let him answer. Right? Thank you. Right? Please let him answer. Um, now, on the question of the um, 2017 leaked paper that people are referring to and discussions, well, ask yourself the question, um, the NHS always buys drugs, does it not? Do we not buy drugs from somewhere? Does the NHS invent its own drugs? So where does it buy, the, buy its drugs from? From, ph from pharmaceutical companies. So the discussions are always ongoing with pharmaceutical industry from various countries around the world around the price that the NHS will pay for drugs. That document is a complete, uh, the, the sort of um, extrapolating from that document, which was about a discussion around the price of drugs, to the NHS is going to be privatized, is a complete myth. And anybody who thinks it's anything else, I'm afraid you're just mistaken. Okay, um, so, uh, I'm sorry, I'm asking a question. Um, so you made... Hold on, hold on. We, we, so we can don't have order in this Can I just place? add one more? Can I... Okay. Can I... Tom, Tom, we won't. I know, Tom, you're we, we, I know you're angry. I know you're angry. We, we, you haven't got a mic Tom, can, can, can we... So, we, we Tom, no. we have a healthcare worker so who wants to respond, just, so we'll let her respond. So just a little bit of evidence and then I'll, I'll No, hold I'll on a second. I'd like to make a statement. Yeah, just a bit of evidence. So, so you guys have out said of the in the past that you want to build more NHS hospitals. Can, can, can we hospitals? let the candidate answer and then you can, you can, can ask me? I'll come can, back to you. Let me just finish this could one. Could you listen to me just first? No, no, no. Let the candidate say what he has to say and then you can rebut it. I think you'll find the point interesting. Out of the 70 plus years of NHS history, the vast majority of it has been in the safe hands of a conservative government. I wouldn't if they say were that. going to, no. if they were ever going to privatise it, why would they have not done it already by now? I'm afraid you have to look at evidence. I know you like shouting and you don't like the, the answers, but you have to look at the evidence. There is no evidence that the NHS is going to be privatised. We categorically state it will never happen. Right. Okay. So, so, so can we have a? This was. This can we was, have the? the can the I just remind everyone about the house I'm, rules? We agreed earlier sorry, yeah. that we would not intervene when someone is talking. Yeah. So if someone has made a point and they want to come back to it, you'll have an opportunity. Okay. So. Um, you guys said that you want to build more hospitals and make new hospitals, refurbish new hospitals. But, but how are you going to do that when at first we don't have funding? And why build new hospitals when we don't have staff? Like already we are so low staffed. We are all burnt out. We are tired. We go into work for basically the protection of our own patients. Like we are literally, a like of course, we're all, everybody's tired with their work, but how are you going to build new hospitals when you don't even have the staff right, for okay. the current hospitals at the moment? So let, let's have a response to that. Thank you. Um, I, I don't know how you guys do the job that you're doing, and we're, we're, we're in your debt and uh, gratitude. On specifically, look, let's start somewhere, okay? As far as L&D Hospital is concerned, I'm not sure if it was a policy, if it was a, a, a labor a position last election or not, that that hospital was under threat. Um, it's still there. 
Uh, it's had a hundred million pound of investment um, and, and there's a new acute uh, block going into place. Uh, there's a commitment in the Conservative Manifesto to recruit uh, or retain 50,000 more nurses. We're glad you made that 6, clarification. 6,000 more GPs. 6,000 more GPs. Uh, uh, 20 hospital upgrades out of which LND is one. 40 new hospitals, six have started. 34 billion pound commitment to the NHS. Okay. Nurse, nurses bursary restored. No. 1 billion social care fund. Hospital I, I, parking I think, I think you made removed. your point. You, you made your point. I, I, I don't know why you feel the NHS is under threat. Out of the 70 okay. years, out of the 70 last 70 years, 44 years of those have been under a Conservative government. I think okay. there's a, the NHS is perfectly yeah. safe. It may well, it may well have worse waiting times. That's because of the demand. That's because of the demand has gone up and we haven't invested in enough money in it. If you carry on with crazy uh, ideas about the economy and private uh, uh, nationalizing everything, there'll be one trillion pound of debt. <coughs> and you know, we'll suffer the NHS because okay. you won't have money to fund it. Okay, just a couple, just a couple of points. I, I get we've, we we said the NHS is a national institution. We love it very much. We know it's really important. But let's try um, to let the candidates speak and hear them. We we will come back. We will interrogate them on these things. Um, and candidates, um, two minutes is your time, yeah. unless unless one of us says otherwise. So thank you very Can much. I just just quickly, Tom Tom wants to. Uh, very briefly, I would say about. I'll give you 30 seconds. 30 Tom. seconds. 30 very, seconds. Very, not, a, not a statement question, please. Very, if you three mind. very quick questions. Number one, if it's not being privatised, why is a GMB union fighting the privatisation of the cleaners at the hospital as we're sat here? That's actually happening out on strike. Number two, Luton and Dunstable Hospital was never under threat. The one that was under threat was Bedford Hospital and you should be ashamed of yourself when you go to Bedford and see that wing completely derelict at Bedford to pay for what's happening here. Okay, and the right, last th one, th thank you, and Tom. I tell you what, it's just got, it's gone, this has gone stupid. You actually believe what you're saying about the NHS. You have threatened it. £10 billion worth of private contracts given away to your friends in the city and you're saying you're not privatising. Thank you. Thank you should apologise now. Thank you, Tom. Okay. Thank you. I think we... Yeah. I think this and another 30 seconds. Just a 30 second quick response, please. Thank Sorry. you very much. Yeah. 30 second response, I'd say. Well, he's gone. He's interested in the answer. Um, just on the point about the cleaners, I mean, what, what this demonstrates is everybody loves the NHS. So this, that, that's not an argument. What we're talking about is the best way to manage it. On your specific point about cleaners, we do have to ask the honest question, who was the first party that brought in sort of privatization of some services? It was the Labour Party. And the question is why? There are some, is the NHS the best organized organization for doing cleaning of sheets? Is it the best one for HR? Is it the best one for IT? And I think you have just two very distinct philosophies in front of you. I'm going to have to you stop have a you. genuine choice. You have the Thank labor you. approach, which is everything should be pri uh, um, nationalized. Thank you. The public sector. Thank you. Thank and you, you have a different approach where. Thank you. I think we have, have to move on to the next question, please. Thank you. Next question.
Next question. Okay, can we, no, we're not on the next question. We've got no, no, all, candidates. Uh, the other Sorry. candidates. Sorry. Next, yeah. Can we go pass the mic to Gavin to respond to that, please, if possible? Gavin Shuko, Independent Region South. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing in our NHS. You and your colleagues treated me when I broke my wrist. Last year, you've treated my daughter and you've treated my mum in the last 18. Uh, and it's incredible what you do. I've uh, been in Parliament for the last 10 years. I've opposed every move towards privatisation over that period of time. I've backed every ability uh, to increase the money going in because I understand that for a community like Luton, it's not just about health, it's about inequality. It's about being able to do the things that normally you would want to do if you had... It's the, one of the worst forms of inequality. But let me just say this. Uh, in the next Parliament, the reason why the NHS, regardless of what is being talked about right now, will be on the table is because we are pursuing a Brexit which will force us into trying to find a trade deal with the United States. The USA wants two things. The first thing they want is access to our market so they can pump in cheap food. The second thing they want is a slice of the £120 billion or so that we spend on the NHS. And we don't need to do this. We don't need to throw our cards away. By the way, you're more likely to be treated in the NHS by someone that uh, has migrated from the EU than you are to be someone who's migrated from the EU being treated in our NHS. We don't need to do this. And so while I absolutely accept there are many people on this panel tonight who will do everything they can to stand up against privatisation, just as I have in the 10 years I've been here, I do not believe that is compatible with enabling the kind of hard Tory Brexit which will bring this about. And in this election, in Luton South, I'm afraid if you've got a Labour candidate that backs Brexit, a Tory candidate that backs Brexit, and a Brexit candidate that backs Brexit, the NHS will be on the table. Mohammed um, Ashraf. Uh, yeah, so be before you go on to you, I just want to make an announcement for our listeners who are listening via radio and, and via uh, Facebook Live. You're listening to Housing Special from uh, basically Luton, Luton South, and Luton North. Uh, you're listening to Inspire FM. Thank you. Thank you. Totally against privatization. This is one of the services that everybody needs and uses in the town. I will ensure that this does not happen. In fact, I will lobby and work hard to get more resources so that can make it better for the people of Luton. Thank you. Can, can I just again ask, you're standing as an independent candidate. You'll be a lone voice. So, how, how, are you, so how are you going to, uh, to back up your argument that you're going to fight for the NHS? You know, a lone voice can do a lot of things. When, when you have got a lone voice, you haven't got a whip on you, you can say and you can represent your people and say what you feel and what, say what the people need in the town. And that's what I'll be creating, but, a realisation, awareness and the need of the people. But in Parliament, it's not about voices, it's about what strength you have to push through uh, legislation. Absolutely, but you, you don't know what the make of the Parliament would be. And, and if, even if you're not in a position to make a part of the um, legislation, but you can always do amendments and see and debate and debate for the um, betterment of the town. Thank you. Thank you. I think uh, if we go to Linda for a comment on that one. Thanks. Um, I agree with what Gavin said about what happens if we go ahead with Brexit, because that's actually what puts us at risk. 
Uh, we have two men who have a tenuous relationship with the truth. Donald Trump in America, um, what's his name, <coughs> Boris is it, in this country? Um, and I don't trust either of them because from where I sit, they're not interested in us. They, they, they don't have to worry about using um, the NHS. They don't have to worry about using public services. Now, I have had a lifelong opposition to privatising public services, and I'll tell you why. It's not ideological. It is pragmatic. Because if you privatise a service, what happens? If you're a private company, you have to make a profit. Your shareholders are the people you're working for. So if you have to make a profit, how do you do it? You either cut the service or you cut the terms and conditions of the people that work within that service. And that happens every single time. And I know that from personal experience in Bedfordshire, when they were privatising everything that moved. Just one example, if I can, which relates to exactly to what the problem is. Um, I, as branch secretary, I had a meeting with one of my school um, stewards. And we were talking about best value at the time. And I said to her, so what's happened is initial catering, which was part of initial cleaners, took over the catering service. Well, what's happened? She said, well, it's all right. Um, we had 33p per meal, and they've cut it to 30p. So, okay, we expected there to be a cut. She said, but actually, when I got all my bills in, they were a third higher. So, in actual fact, every child was getting 22p per meal. And that is what happens when you privatise, because those that are providing the service want a profit. Thank so, you. So, Linda, just to come back on that, um, do you support the Labour Party's drive to private, uh, to, sorry, to, to bring into state ownership um, all of our services? Yeah. Is that an argument for nationalisation I mean, of everything? I've been, ha I've been having in my party for years. And again, purely pragmatic, purely pragmatic, because I, I used to commute from Luton up to London every day. I have never met a commuter who didn't believe that the National Rail would be better back in national hands. Mm. So, I mean, you, you talk about pragmatism, and, and when Lib Dems are in government in partnership with the Conservatives, there's a lot of things that you promised uh, on, and, and then when you're in government, you change your mind. So what, what guarantees that that it's not going to happen this time if, if you are in a coalition with the Conservatives, well, yeah, maybe? I don't, I don't think there'll be another coalition. I think, I mean, I have to say, personally, I oppose that continually right the way through because I thought it was a big mistake. Um, DUP are a case in point. DUP were very clever. Confidence and supply, give us a billion, and then we'll vote the way we want anyway. Why, why we didn't do that, I don't know. Mm. I mean, I, I think that the issue now, we've hopefully learned our lesson. And one of the things we're saying is putting an extra penny on um, income tax, which is a very progressive policy to actually pay for health and social care. So um, but I'll just keep shouting from the sidelines anyway. Thank you. Thank you indeed. Okay, I think that leaves um, uh, Simon to comment as um, final suspect. Just, just a quick comment um, to, to, to reinforce what Ben said earlier. So, I mean, the National Health Service has got an amazing history. It's one of, mm. one of the things that we mm. can truly be proud of in this country. Um, just to reiterate what Ben said, the Green Party puts the NHS as one of our highest, highest priorities. We're going to invest £6 billion per year until 2030 in the NHS to try and get it back on, on its feet again. And we're also going to, as Ben mentioned, we're going to invest one billion in, um, in higher education training for nurses to try and help to get more staff. 
In terms of privatisation, absolutely, we want to roll back um, any privatisation that's already taken place. Um, for too long, the NHS has been allowed to deteriorate, and we want to bring it back to, to full strength. Thank you. Um, the only other person that uh, wants to... Maybe you have a policy on this uh, Brexit party? <laughs> you have a policy on this? You have a contract. Okay. Yeah, you have a contract, that's right. Can we hear it? Yes. Hello? Uh, sorry? You know, the, uh, every time election comes, what I hear, the, all the big parties, they distribute their freebies like it's a Christmas. And they forget about it next five years. And what it is, as a, as a Brexit party, what we are saying is, yes, you can give away, but where the money is going to come? So our contract is we're going to raise 200 billion first by scrapping HS2, keeping 13 billion from EU contributions, recovering 7 billion from EIB, and redirecting 50% of 440 billion over five years. So first we need to get money to do anything you promise, because this is a, as a business. Because okay. we can promise, every, you know, you sky and don't deliver anything till next five years, you are stuck with it till next election. Like this time, every two years or three years. So what we are saying is we're going to save that 200 billion uh, pounds and then invest into the NHS, because NHS is very close to my heart, personally as well. Because I used to, uh, I've been to NHS so many times. So as a party, uh, we, that's what we are saying, change the politics for good. We have to create the money to deliver the service. Thank you. Thank you. And, and so, final, so final. Deed, sorry, is that, is that the 2019 version of Message on a Bus? No. <laughs> it is. As a, as a business person, I believe the country is like running a business. You can borrow, keep borrowing the money and then make the company bankrupt because your currency will be low and then all the public of this country will suffer if you borrow so much money. Or you raise the tax. There's, there's only two ways to get the money. Okay. Uh, I think we have a final comment from uh, Dr. Yassin. NHS is very precious to myself because I use it myself. I just want to come back to the question Sister asked. You have heard from these two big political parties the rhetoric you hear all the time in the parliament. None of them is seriously talking about the real issue. The real issue in NHS, NHS right now, right now, the way we use it, in Luton, if you try to make an appointment for, with a doctor and your child is ill, you will get four weeks time or five weeks time. And this is a big issue for me. What we need to do is rather than political rhetoric on privatization, we need to take immediate steps and frontline staff needs to be increased. Right now we have shortage of nurses and nurses have big issue with pay. A lot of them, they leave this country because they, better, they find better jobs abroad. Second issue we have in a place like Luton, which none of them realize because they never seen poverty because majority of our community lives in poverty. And when you are poor, it's more likely you're going to be sick. So what we need is in NHS right now, rather than talking about big issue, is to increase the frontline staff, okay? Make more doctors and more nurses available. And secondly, the most important thing which, which I believe in is that, you know, NHS right now, majority of the NHS, big chunk of budget is spent on consultants 
and administrators, big consultants, not the managers, I'm talking about managers, not the doctors, not the frontline staff. So we need to streamline the money we spend on big people and blue, the white collar workers and spend more on nurses and doctors. And that's what needs to be done immediately rather than talking about privatization. Nobody will ever have courage to privatize over national health service because it's too precious to all of us. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank before, before we go on, just a reminder to our listeners, you're listening to Elections Husting from Luton. Uh, we have most of the, the candidates from the party standing in Luton North and Luton South. This is a Friday night live special program for today. So I just want to perhaps, uh, we're coming to the last half hour of the discussion today, just change the rules slightly so it's one minute to respond from the candidates. <laughs> and if there's, if there's a challenge from one of us, then an, an additional 30 seconds after that. Thank you. Right, we're going to move on to another area of our concern uh, as residents of Luton. Um, we have uh, Abdul Ghafoor asking a question. Um, okay, I think um, Arch has one minute to respond from uh, um, who would like to go first. Any volunteers first? We'll go to Gavin. Um, this is about faith community issues and uh, how do you respond to that? Thank you for your question and also your service in the town, uh, which I know well. One of the really nice things about having lived here all my life is I get to see so many uh, friendly faces and people that I know, and I know the sacrifice they're putting in for us to be a workshop of peace. I'm someone of uh, Christian faith. Um, it's always given me an appreciation of not only how sometimes faith is viewed as something that is divisive, but also appreciation that faith is usually the place where, with a degree of humility, we come and submit ourselves to one another and we understand what it is to walk in their shoes. Uh, in terms of my own involvement, look, I mean, it's fairly obvious that uh, my own uh, experience has changed a lot in this last year. Uh, I obviously resigned from the Labour Party. I think these two parties have gone to the extremes. I think the thank, crisis thank with you. Islamophobia thank and anti-Semitism is something that needs to be tackled. And if I could just make this one last statement, you're absolutely right. It's about evidence and what you've done. I've put everything on the line for this because I believe thank it's you. not acceptable to keep popping it up. Thank you. Thank you, Gavin. Okay, can we have Sarah respond to this? Yep, sure. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you very much for the faith communities for welcoming me here and being able to show me the fantastic work that you're doing. I think some of the work that you're doing is actually the responsibility of the state and faith groups across Luton are actually having to plug the gap for the failure of this government when it comes to feeding the people of Luton, when it comes to housing the people of Luton and when it comes to supporting them. And what I would like to see is that we have a government that actually moves for, on from this so that faith communities can actually concentrate on volunteering on other things. What I have done personally, I have um, sat on anti-Semitism panels within the Labour Party. I have voted to remove people where they have been anti-Semitic or Islamophobic or sexist. I have also spoken out at anti-fascist demos across the country and I will continue to work with faith communities and groups across Luton. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And then we quickly move on.
And remember the time limit on this is, is there. Faith is very important to myself and uh, Professor Hazarvi and Ishakazi is here. I was one of the founding members of Luton Council of Mosque. It was the idea in, back in 2003 to bring the Muslim faiths together and it Absolutely. was the idea which was promoted by myself and taken to Professor Saab and Ishakazi which has worked very well, which has served the needs and aspirations of the Muslim community in Luton. And Luton Council of Mosque is a fantastic organization now, and we have Sunni Council of Mosque as well. Now, what I believe in is that the faith communities, and even within the Muslim communities, we have different sections of uh, fikas. To bring them together is very important to me. And I will stand for the faith, uh, faith communities, because I'm myself a committed Muslim, and I believe that right now, if you look at the all the different faith communities, one of the most scrutinized community and community, persecuted community, I feel, okay. is the Muslim community. And we do need to stand up. If we are silent, thank you. I'm, I'm sorry, we won't get anywhere. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you, Yossi. Hey, thank can you. we have the uh, response from uh, Parais? from the Conservatives on this? Uh, so in Bedford, um, I was chair of the Urban Community Council, and uh, we have a church, Mosque Dwara, literally within 500 yards. We use the Community Council to bring all three together to promote leisure and learning activities under one umbrella. That's a, that's a personal issue. The second thing I've done, and you may have followed this uh, this week, is call out the Prime Minister for his comments. Uh, about Muslim women on Islamophobia specifically. Now, he's given an apology of sorts. Maybe that goes far enough. I wish he went further, but um, I would continue to press him and others on Islamophobia particularly because I know the hurt and pain that causes uh, our community. Thank you. Can, can I just, just ask you again in terms of the um, inquiry that the Conservatives um, are having. Can you be really precise about what that inquiry will look like? So at the moment they've watered it down to dealing with some generic anti-hate race issues. Um, I will be pushing for it to be specifically about Islamophobia um, and encompass Islamophobia. Uh, if they want to go wider later, they by all means do that. But first of all, let's deal with the issue that we've got around Islamophobia within the party, and let's deal with that, move on, and then we can look at the wider implications of other uh, um, uh, issues around um, uh, discrimination within the party. Thank you. Thank you for Thank that. You. Um, if we can go to uh, Mohammed Ashraf uh, as, as a quick response. Remember, we have uh, no more than... One minute. Minute. Th th thank you. Um, I've always supported the uh, faith communities. Uh, as you know, I'm a Muslim as well. Thank you for LCM and SEM who have worked, organized this. And if I go back, I think uh, the good work I should must acknowledge is uh, somebody called Johnny, who did a lot of work behind this, going back 1995-96, and the initiative was started by Luton University and Borough Council. And it, obviously, we as a community build on, on, on that. At, and that's where we are, we are with this. And particularly, you know, I personally think on Islamophobia, I think we should legislate on this. Um, and, and we sh should push for, for that sort of legislation that no party has any, or no organization as such, um, come to that sort of level. So, sorry, Thank you. I don't want to interrupt, and I know you, you, but you've still got 40 seconds, 20 seconds left, or 22 seconds. Yeah. We took, we are, the question was very specific about your personal record. So can you tell us a bit, a little bit in 22 well, seconds know. about your personal record? 
Yeah, my personal record it, it speaks for itself because I was the one who initiated the first phase, uh, faith uh, group walking around the uh, mosques by different communities, if you're going back about 15 years ago now. And I've always supported the causes of um, uh, all the faith, different faiths in the town, across the town, visited every one of the mosques, churches, synagogues, um, um, Mondays and everything, you name it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can I, can I just ask the, uh, the candidates, uh, we're gonna, we've got lots and lots of questions to be honest, there's loads of people want to ask questions mm -hmm. and, um, and I really want to be fair to yourselves and go through each individual but if, if anybody doesn't have a strong opinion uh, and want to give up this opportunity and then move on to the next, next question, uh, I'd be really happy actually, I'd be really glad. So there's then, and we've got a couple of candidates we've not, left. We've not, we've not heard from the Green Party or anything on and, this. And Linda. Or Linda. So, so if you have a position on that and you want to talk about it, like then... To, if I may add a couple of things. Just in answer. Um, so we have, a, we have a group in Croydon, it's called Sacre, where we have different religious groups come together and have input into religious education curriculum for the schools, and I've been involved in that. And also for the Conservative Party, I've, I've uh, led a group called um, uh, Croydon Community Liaison Group, where we had an outreach program to all sorts of different, so the Bangladeshi community, the Afghan community, the Pakistani community, Polish, all different communities who don't normally, normally necessarily see themselves as natural conservatives, but I think they are, and I made the case to them and welcomed them all in. By faith, I'm a Sikh, and so it's in my blood to be um, brothers with the Muslims. Some of my oldest and longest friends are Muslims. And they actually brilliant. often ask me, is he your brother? Brilliant, brilliant. Yes. Uh, so, so just to sacrifice, is that still going on, or was that a thing of the past? Uh, I, my involvement is in the past. I think it still goes on. Okay, thank you. I think they're winding down. I think um, we've got Linda to um, comment on this. I mentioned earlier that I was a youth worker and I couldn't have done my job if I didn't have a good relationship with all the faith communities um, because quite often, particularly working with young women, you need to have the support of their families in order to work with them. Now, what concerns me at the moment, a friend of mine set up a charity you may know of called Tell Mama and every time anyone, whether that's Boris Johnson or anyone else in public life, says something Islamophobic, that the rate of attacks go up and we have to do something about that. We have to do something about that. That's why my party is committed to making hate crime um, an aggravated crime. Uh, another issue that we're dealing with as well is the, the fact of you know, the minimum um, requirement in terms of income so that that would be abolished because that affects people who, who don't earn as much as, as others and then therefore can't bring their spouses over. There's plenty of other stuff. You can have a look at it in the, in the manifesto. But, yeah, absolutely committed to working with the community. Okay, well, that's one within the window. Um, and I think, if, Rachel, did you, did you have uh, uh, any... Uh, we've got greens to go yet. I'll give you 30 seconds. Anyone who works in the community in Luton will work shoulder to shoulder with people of all faiths and none. And I can say as a local councillor over the last eight years, I've done my bit, both in my wards, when I've engaged with 
church groups or local mosques and equally when I've done my own volunteering because I know how many people of faith actually contribute their time to volunteering in our town and I agree wholeheartedly with Sarah that we would not be able to deliver so many services for our people without community and faith groups um, so I just wanted to add that um. Well, um, like Rachel, I'm in a situation as a local councillor where I am working with the, the faith groups within my, within my ward, in, engaging with them. Um, I've um, been in a situation where we've been discussing how, how particular churches are um, supporting food banks, for example. Um, more broadly, um, while working as an academic, I was um, invited into... Um, Leicester Central Mosque and um, got to know quite a lot of the, the various flavours of Islam that, that there are and you know, got a, a deeper understanding through my, my friendships built up that way um, and of, of a, a good degree of the subtleties. Overall, in terms of the Green Party, one of the things that we very deeply value is the way that faith after faith after faith puts protection of our, our common environment, creation, our common heritage, you know, maybe divine heritage, thank you. center of its faith. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Cheers. Simon, did you want to add anything to that? Just, just very briefly to say, I don't have any specific um, examples attracted me to the Green Party was its inclusiveness and the fact that it is, it is against all forms of discrimination, whether that be um, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, any discrimination based on sex, gender, sexual orientation. So the Green Party actively challenges any discrimination and one of the things that the Green Party was set up is an intergovernmental uh, panel to tackle inequality um, throughout Parliament and one of the things the Green Party did in this election was pos positive discrimination in, in terms of trying to get um, representatives of parliament, parliamentary candidates from different backgrounds to stand. So if we've got more diversity of candidates, better representing the communities that they're standing for. Thank you. Thank so. you. Do you have any, anything to say on, from Brexit's point of view? Hello? Yes. I have a very personal view on uh, running uh, companies and obviously as a Brexit party that uh, most of the uh, people or companies, they have a policies. There's this which is called divide and rule. But my policy is unite and bright. So our party is going to work with all the communities and everybody to, together and make this country best again. Thank you. Okay, thank so, you. Sadeed, so, so are we talking about Nigel Farage's party? Sorry? We're still talking about Nigel Farage. <laughs> yes, we are talking about Nigel okay. Farage's party. <laughs> okay, well, I'll leave that there. Okay. Um, Mabeen, Mabeen, I think you had a question. Can we go to Mabeen's question next? Yeah. Evening, guys. Um, just got a quick question about structural racism within our criminal justice system and how each of you would actually deal with this and challenge this. Um, I think without wanting to put any of you on the back foot, I think it's pretty relevant today, given the comments... Uh, printed by the Daily Mirror and attributed to our Prime Minister uh, against black youth or 
referring to black youth? Just, just to make things exciting again, I think we're gonna, we've, we've got about 15 minutes to answer lots of questions. So I'm going to say a couple of things. Uh, 40 seconds to answer now, 40 seconds. Uh, and if somebody wants to opt out and not answer a question, please, I think, just come forward because that gives time for us to squeeze some more questions in. Thank you very much. Thank you. We, we've, we've uh, it's an important question from Mabin there. There have been long-standing concerns about inequities in the criminal justice system. And um, I think it was just last year that the Lamy Review highlighted the disproportionate representation of BAME people, um, both in terms of incarceration rates and the length of sentences. So um, again, the, the point was made, um, your opinions are important, but can you kind of let us know in terms of policies how you would work to challenge structural racism? Um, can we start with the Greens first, is that okay? Simon, do you want to go first? Yes, 40 seconds please, if you don't mind. So I think it's, 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 a, it's a complex issue. I think that we need to, um, look at, we need to perhaps look at education and changing, changing things at, at grassroots level. Um, we need to make sure that there's, that there's less racism um, in schools, there's more education of, of young people. Um, I think in terms of, in terms of um, sentencing, we know that, um, that custodial sentences, sentencing doesn't work. I mean, within, um, Within, within a year, um, up to 60% of, of prisoners are, have be, have, are often reoffending. So we need to look at the custodial system it, itself. Um, but yeah, I think the Green Party would like to basically completely reform the, uh, the criminal justice system, and we need to look at it at a grassroots level and look at Thank, thank you, Thank you, brilliant. Thank, thank you, you indeed. Next. Can we go to Sarah Owen? Is that okay, Sarah or Rachel? Which one of you would rather take it? I'm going to keep this short and sweet. We launched our Race and Faith Manifesto on Tuesday, um, and being led by Diane Abbott um, in the Home Secretary would be an absolutely fantastic start to actually trying to reform some of the issues that we've seen. But I'm going to read exactly from page 43 of our manifesto, a paragraph, if I may. We will work to eliminate institutional biases against BAME communities. Proportionate stop and search based on intelligence is a needed tool of effective policing. But the means of expanded powers means black and Asian men are still more likely to be stopped and searched. Poisoning relations between the police and the local communities they serve. That is an issue that we have put in our manifesto on black and white in paper. Thank you very much. Thank you. Rachel, did you have anything to add to that? I just wanted to add something. I was looking to see if we had the statistic there about our judiciary and the fact that so many of our judges high up come from the elite. It's some ridiculous amount of judges went to private schools and the elite. And actually, if you were going to have genuine justice in our country, it needs to be reflective of the people we're working with. And I think that needs to be tackled as well. Okay, thank, thank you. you very much. Can we move on to the Conservatives and Jeep already has the microphone, so Pervez, you get to sit out on this one. Yes. Um, point number one is, if there is any kind of discrimination that's inherent in a system, um, I, as your MP, will make the strongest case possible to have that <coughs> discrimination corrected. So, for example, at the council level, we have scrutiny and overview committees. At the parliamentary level, we have um, select committees. The, the problem is the reports that they write are often advisory, but they don't have to be acted upon. 
So I, I would want to make the case that if the evidence is there and the work has been done and it's in a report, it has to be acted upon. Can I Thank just quickly ask you then, G, do you think the evidence is not there at the moment? No, I, I, I have no problem with the evidence at all. I agree the evidence is there. My, my point is, what are we going to do about it? And I think there are avenues there, but I think they need to be strengthened. Okay. Thank you. Can I just quickly add, I think what we need is uh, representation at, in each level uh, of our, our justice system, in the police, uh, in the CPS, um, in prisons, and in the judiciary. Uh, that representation means that there's fairness when dealing with issues across all the, all the different uh, uh, ethnicities and unfortunately we don't have that. Uh, some of that is endemic and some of that is uh, um, as a result of uh, not enough uh, people from BME backgrounds going into those professions and that's something we've got to address. So let's be honest, I have a huge privilege that I haven't sought out in my life which is I happen to be born white and male and actually at every stage uh, of life, people that aren't in that category experience deep discrimination. That's why I joined the Women and Equality Select Committee four years ago, and we've been working systematically through these issues. Because, to be frank, the way in which we actually get action on this, it requires all of us to treat it as an issue of importance, not just those of us that are directly affected. Uh, I just want to pick up on three things in the very short time I've got. The first one is that many of these inequalities set in during education. Uh, and there aren't enough effective role models and others to be related to. Secondly, it's no difference uh, in my mind. If you go through the criminal justice system, whether it's through policing or actually the courts, you're much more likely to experience harsh sanction if you're from an ethnic minority background, and that obviously needs to change through the ways we've talked about. But lastly, it's this. I think unless you can uh, have effective representation, people standing up from a position of authority about institutional racism, we're not going to change it. And I just point out that in this election, that both legacy parties are going through their own crises on this. If we want to speak with authority, we thank have you, to Gavin. do something thank costly you. to speak out against thank it you. in our own setting. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you. Um, Linda, would you um, want to comment on this? Um, one of the things that we've said as a party that we would do immediately is actually have a government-wide uh, BAMA look at inequalities and what causes them. And if you look at our justice policy in particular, you'll see that that is looked at as a specific issue that people need to explain why it happens that we end, you, know, you end up with more BAME, young people particularly going through the criminal system. As um, Gavin said, I think we have to look at this holistically. And we never look at anything holistically. When you look at who's in, in prison, quite often there are issues of having, being in care, having mental health problems. What, you're not, thank, you. Thank, you. Off. thank you, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, we look, let's look at it holistically. Thank you indeed. We're not being that brutal yet. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have... It um, may happen. The, uh, uh, Dr. Yassin, you have um, uh, 30 seconds on this. Um, 40 seconds. Sorry. 40 seconds. <laughs> Can you pass the mic on, please? Structural racism, I call it institutional racism. If you can go back to Stephen Lawrence's murder, 
That time, Prime Minister Tony Blair, after an inquiry, the promised that there's going to be much more to be done on the institutional and systematic racism. Unfortunately, nothing has been done. What we need to do is have strong voices in the parliament so the government of the time can be forced to look into this again. Right now, if you look at the institutional racism or structural racism which has been just said, more of it is directed at the Muslim youths, whether you. it's in the court, you, whether it's in prison, or whether it's in the employment system. Thank you. Thank you, I think. Um, I think you, so Green Party's had a say on this already, haven't they? Okay. Can we... Um, uh, is, there, is there anybody else? Okay. No, I think we're done now. Uh, Ashabai, do you want to have a... Just, uh, just quickly, I, I agree with some of the comments that already made. Uh, change and, and change for the better. But I think if you look at racism in all contexts, there are some of the local authorities that look into in their in-house policies, as well as the big employees, we've got to challenge those, as well as uh, the criminal justice system. Thank you. Can Thanks I very much. remind um, uh, Lutonborough Council, for example, um, I mean, how would you comment on current reflection of uh, the council's workforce, uh, I think Rachel. Rachel. Kenny, before we go to the next question, I just, just need to say, make an announcement for, for our on on our um, listeners uh, on FM. Uh, so we'll shortly be switching over to our schedules programming from eight o'clock onwards. But we will be streaming live on Facebook Live, and, and the feedback I'm getting, there's lots lots of interest on. on on our social media and our listenerships and lots of calls coming in. So we also want to make it, keep, keep it exciting here as well. Um, so we may, I'm happy to extend if the panel want to extend a little bit. Uh, it's up to yourselves basically. There are lots of people out there who want to, to ask questions. We, we, we have a formal timing till 8 o'clock. And okay. if we need to go a little bit over then it's negotiable. Okay, yeah. and the question I was reminded, reminded to ask about the uh, <coughs> structural racism and the institutional aspect. Um, currently, locally, in Lutonborough Council, for example, can you comment on the uh, workforce uh, makeup in terms of senior levels uh, and, and representation um, of the town? And that can only be uh, 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 Rachel or uh, Sarah at the moment. I have to be very careful sorry, because Rachel, of Perda. I mean, sorry, I'm the only local councillor from yeah. Luton here. Um, I have to be very careful because of Perda. I will answer, but I just make it clear I'm answering as the Labour Party candidate for Luton South rather than as um, a councillor. I've had lots of guidance. Um, you want me to comment on it? Um, it's known that there is not sufficient BAME senior officers at Luton Council. It is something I've raised in one of the committees that looks every year at the makeup of our staff groups. And I've asked specifically around uh, the additional management and leadership development. So we know further down the ranks of our staff in the council, um, we are reflective of our town and how we encourage those junior officers to become senior officers. I'm, you know, as a candidate, it is through the collection of um, information and about. Um, 
people's backgrounds, ethnicity, age groups, gender, you name it. And the Labour Manifesto is very clear that we will tackle that through audit to encourage um, better reflection. Okay. So, you know, it, that's what I can say can at you, the moment. Um, hold on, I've got uh, Malisane who wants to make a, a quick comment on that uh, from your experience. Council. Uh, since, well, we took back control. No, we took back control in 2007. 2007. So it's not good enough. If what you get, I know, and that is why people like myself and other colleagues on committees are pushing to encourage that, and through that, through training and development of our own staff and the encouragement um, to to improve that. And I'll happily talk about it afterwards if you'd like as well. Okay. I can't can we, stay late. I'm very sorry. Can we just leave that you. one at this stage? Uh, Zafar, did you want to come yeah. in? Uh, I, I just want to know either a thumbs up or down for a 10 minute extension. From uh, Rachel up. had already said. Yeah. <laughs> I think, can we, can we just say Rachel had made a commitment to be here? Sorry. Right, 30 seconds. <laughs> You're too um, lenient. <laughs> is on the Luton Borough Council, are there enough BAME at the scene? I can't comment on that, but I wanted to draw a contrast. Uh, in the Cabinet, we have the most diverse Cabinet ever. So, you know, we have the Chancellor of the Exchequer, who's of Pakistani origin. We have the Chief Secretary to the Treasury who is of Indian origin. Gee, can uh, I just have, say that this is a comment that you probably should not have made uh, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> to, to make this it. audience. Okay. I am um, very happy so, to make so, it. So we, we, are, we, are, we are keen to have representation of both thoughts and ideas and, and ethnicities. Um, Dave Crean, can we have your question, please? I'm proud to call myself a Lutonian. I'm proud to call myself a Lutonian. Can I, can I press I'm you for ashamed. a question, I'm sorry, please. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. I'm ashamed of what's happening in our country and in our town. And one of the worst things that's happening in our country, in our town at the moment, is our youth, our drugs, and the violence that's going on in our towns. So what, what's your it's, question, please? It's, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, please, it's important. I, I've waited all night. It's taken four, it's taken nearly two hours for the first four questions. All right? And we haven't even started on Brexit. What a waste. What? Mm -hmm. our, our politicians for the last three years have been talking about Brexit. While our youth have been controlling our estates, running our estates with knives, guns, crime. People are afraid to go out at night. There was a time I was felt safe walking around my own estate. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go out at night. Nobody should have to live in a society like that. While they're up there in the, member, in the Houses of Parliament, wasting their time talking about something that we shouldn't be doing in the first place, Brexit, that's my view, all right? Our youth, we're filling our graveyards. We're filling our graveyards with our youth and okay. other people that are getting I, caught I in the crossfire. I, I want two questions, please. But aunt, can you just direct it to a candidate that you want a response from? Rachel, yeah. can I ask you, please, love, if you don't mind? Um, the government and austerity have cut so many services up and down the country. Up and down the country. Councils, including Luton councils, have had to make tough decisions they didn't want to make. One of the things was youth services that were cut very early on. 
I'm asking, would you make youth services a statutory promise? Not like it is at the moment. Make it statutory that it has to be provided. That's the foundations for what come after us. It should be provided to you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you and, Dave. And the answer is yes, because it's in our manifesto, and I will be one of the biggest champions of that policy, because you're absolutely right. As a Labour council, we've been hammered by the Conservative government, which has meant we have not been able to support our young people effectively. And that has led to parents on the doorstep who I've been talking to are just so fearful about their children getting drawn into gangs and being affected by knife crime. And I've actually got big brothers who are fearful about their little brothers getting drawn into it. And it's absolutely something we know. And I think our Labour manifesto says we're going to invest a billion into... Um, a national youth service and make it a statutory responsibility. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Made a comment. Thank you for that. Sarah, did you want to add a, add a comment to that? This relates to your question and the previous question. Um, one of the biggest barriers to seeing better representation and diversity within the top levels and the top jobs is education. When the government removed the education maintenance allowance, many of our BAME communities suffered. And when the introduction of university tuition fees, who is it that can no longer go to university? Which is why I am proud that the Labour government would get rid of university fees for everybody because education should be based on what you want to do, what you want to achieve, not your ability to pay. And lastly, Thank primary you. school children Thank are going you. to school hungry, not able to concentrate. Must we Thank must you. give them free school meals Thank and that's you. what Labour committed to do. Thank you, The, um, the next topic is actually quite related to where you finish off, Sarah. And we have a question from um, uh, Hisham. Uh, Hisham, where are you? Can you yeah. a mic to you? Hello? Hisham, yeah. Can you stand uh, up? Yeah, can I have a very specific answer to this uh, and not general platitudes? And who do you want this to be answered by? Um, I, I, either the Conservative candidate and the Labour candidate, to be honest with you. Um, we, we in Luton and across the country, Muslim parents have been feeling uh, put on by the state, and this not just Muslim parents, parents of all faiths. I'm going to I'm going to say this outright. Um, when is the state going to back off and let parents bring up their children with the values that they believe to be correct and true, and not impose on them state-sponsored values? It feels like the Stasi in East Germany right now, where we get told what to believe and what our children should be doing. I don't, and we don't want our children to be brainwashed. We do want them to be valuable members of the society, accepting of everybody, but we do want our rights protected. How are you going to go and do that? This is in particular the forthcoming legislation relating to RSE. Yes. Okay. So who, who wants to go first? Yeah, look, so I believe you're, you're absolutely right. Children in primary schools need to stay children. They need to grow up. They need to understand some core principles and values that can be taught to them from the home um, and in the school. But they should be free of any influence in terms of religion or, or relationships or anything like that until they mature enough to understand the implications of some of those things. Um, that's why I... Sorry, I'm not talking just about primary schools. I'm just talking about we always assume that school was for educating <coughs> academic subjects. And yes some level of value and cooperation in society, but there's an erosion of our core values that's been attacked here, and how are you, as a government, going to address that because it's your government that started this? Yeah, look, 
I, I, I might as well throw this away, yeah? I mean, I... <laughs> I <don't laughs> That's very bold. It'll get you sacked. <laughs> Listen, look, I, I can't sit here and defend everything they're doing, but what I'm telling you is my personal views on this particular issue, okay? Just going back, you know, I know what you guys are going to say. Let's go back to the point previously. Isn't it about time the Labour Party had a, uh, in a 40% uh, area, a Muslim or a Kashmiri candidate? I have to, I have um, to move you on. I have you to know. move you on. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, next. But, but, but anyway, going yeah, I have to, to move you point. on, Pavez. I have to, I have to move you on, Pavez. You have your time. At least we've got the best candidate. Right. Can, okay, can, so who, can we just do it in order, please? So, I mean, so next. Well, we had. Um, um, uh, Anybody else want to Sarah, Sarah, do you want to comment on that? I think we have seen this issue get worse in the last few years, particularly when local accountability has been taken away from our schools. And I think it is incredibly important, it's one of Labour's priorities, that the academisation is ended of our schools. Because as soon as we had the academisation, the local community lost their voice. And it is vital that local communities play a part in children's education, because I think that is where we've seen that breakdown in relationship. No one wants to see schools forcing education on children. Communities don't and parents don't want. And similarly, schools don't want to see children being taken out of education as well. And I think that local, local accountability you, and local relationship right. really needs to be right. back in Thank place. You, Thank you, okay. um, Hisham, did you uh, want to come back on, on any of that quickly? Has it been specifically answered? Okay, so. Gavin, can we, can we let Gavin have a respond to that? Can I um, uh, answer you really directly? Because I think what you're talking about is sex, compulsory sex and relationships education, primarily as part of a, a bigger setup. And of course, I've been in Parliament as that has come through. So as of September of next year, you will retain the right as a parent to draw your child, if you choose to, from primary school, sex and relationships education. But the change happens at secondary school. It's now compulsory, and actually, it's down to the head teacher to make a judgment. This may, may be hugely unpopular in your eyes, but I've always been an advocate of it. I think it's really important that our young people grow up. And I, I cast no aspersions on your child, nor mine, but there are families and there are people in this constituency who are not receiving anything that they need to navigate a very complex world. My daughter is six. I want age-appropriate relationships education for her. I want to get involved in my local school, which I have a right to, by the way, as a parent, to see what they are teaching and make sure that it's appropriate for my child. But I do not want my child growing up in a world in which she cannot navigate the complexity of how a modern tolerant society works. And for that reason, I've always been an advocate of it. I've uh, pushed for it from uh, within the Women and Equality Select Committee. I think that there's a lot of fear in the community about it that probably doesn't stack up against the detail of what's gonna come out. But this is my pledge to you as a member of parliament who's thoughtful on these issues and about how faith interacts with sex and gender and all the rest, that as this program is introduced uh, and it's down to the school to decide what they want to do, I will be actively involved in making sure that everything that is taught is age appropriate and allows young people to be young people and navigate the world they're in. Right, okay, I, I think with that we're, we're going to have to conclude this program. Uh, we run 10 minutes over our allotted time uh, of uh, finish at 8 o'clock. Thank you very much to the candidates. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at InspireFM Luton.